All right, remember yesterday's episode where we said bad things tend to happen when the Nashville Predators play the Arizona Coyotes? Well, hey, guess what happened last night? Predators embarrassed by the Yotes out in Tempe. Breakdown of that game. Plus, we'll jump into the Twitter conversation. Would you think Carl Taylor is a replacement for John Hines this offseason? We'll talk about it today on the Lockdown Predators podcast. Your Locked On Predators, your daily podcast on the Nashville Predators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making the Locked On Predators podcast your first listen of the day every single day. We are your free daily Nashville Predators podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Nick Morgan. I'm a writer and editor at OnTheForeCheck.com, and I have a partner in crime. You do. I am Ann Kimmel. I'm a writer and editor at InsideThePreds.com. Well. Welp. That was trash. A about right yep mm -hmm. yep Yep. that was it (laughs) uh yeah nashville predators arizona coyotes uh jesus christ every time y'all not every time but enough times that it's a whole thing did we not tell them did they not listen I guess it could be worse. I guess it's not the dallas buffalo game last night that wound up 10 before yeah and nobody had a hat trick in that game. They had nine goal scorers. Dallas yeah. had nine goal scorers. I was like, okay, who are the two players that got hat tricks? And I pulled up the stats and I'm like, oh no, you get a goal. You get a goal. You. It was like Oprah Winfrey does hockey. They are fighting for uh, our Western Conference playoff tiers that we did the other day. Yes. Uh, they yes, they, they heard me say they are just okay. And they are like, nope, screw that. In a That's right. Uh, so the Nashville Predators, Arizona Coyotes. Preds went down one nothing in the first period off a goal by Brett Ritchie. Outshot eighteen to eight in the first period. I feel like that's something that we need to mention. Sure. Do. Uh, and then a whole lot of nothing until a fifty second span in the third, where the Coyotes added two more. Cody Glass scored with two minutes left, but then Nick Schmaltz closed the door at the end with another goal. Four one. Again, Jesus Christ. The final score, Preds lose to the Arizona Coyotes because, of course, they did. And one (laughs) word to describe last night's game. Okay, ironically, after the whole Disney kerfuffle last night, I am using a Disney reference for my one word. So my one word is Ursula the Sea Witch from the little mermaid so you've got ariel she has this tough choice to make is she going to pursue the love this prince that she's fallen in love with you know and knowing that she could lose her family because you know if you get legs you can't just go back to your mer family you know but she's miserable so she goes and ursula paints herself as this like empathetic listening ear who has sympathy for the troubles of all these people and she helps because this is her purpose now she understands what people long for and she uses her magic for good arizona is ursula the sea witch my friends you know, they're a team who you think understands what Nashville is going through. They understand growing pains, rebuilding, resetting, taking a new direction, how difficult that could be. 
You know, Nashville headed into Mullet Arena and they sold their voice in exchange for legs and Flotsam and Jetsam just meddled with it. And the Predators were thwarted so much more than Ariel was in that in that movie. They were lured into believing one thing. They were lured into believing, hey, you know what? We could be a playoff team. But they left realizing, you know what? Maybe we're not. So, you know what? This is where I see that game last night. You know, Arizona, oh, they're, you know, they're harmless. They're okay. They're going to help you get two points to the playoffs. No, they're not, friends. They are Ursula the Sea Witch. And they are going to absolutely steal your legs or voice either way yeah uh, there's she spoilers. The voice. she gave her the legs she gave her the legs but she was going to take the legs back if she didn't get the kiss remember all the people that that ursula had won over they were like little floaty things like they didn't uh, have legs i haven't seen little mermaid in years Oh, I could do a whole dramatic reenactment for you, but we won't do that this episode. Complete with Under the Sea. I will say that uh, Zach Cassian does look like one of the eels. <laughs> Just the stoic, evil-looking face with the teeth or whatever. Yes. Uh, and my word for last night's game is coyote. Not because the Arizona coyote, mm -hmm. because of wily coyote. <laughs> Now, let's make a space. The actual team named Coyotes, they weren't Wiley Coyote. They were the Roadrunners. Yes. Not the two. Well, at this point, probably the Tucson Roadrunners. Nashville Predators <laughs> were the Wiley Coyotes last night. It just, it's like becoming a joke with Arizona at this point, isn't it? Where it's just like every time you think the Preds are like, all right, this is, we're, we're on a roll. We're feeling ourselves a little bit, you know couple of rough games, but, you know, we have the sky's the limit for us. You know, we got all these young players playing well and figuring things out. And then you just get to Arizona and it's like, you know, you're chasing, you're chasing the Arizona around. They're the roadrunners. They go meet meep and just like lead, like right to the edge of a cliff. Predators yes. just run off it, look down at nothingness beneath them, hold out a sign. It's like, well, this 4-1 loss is going to hurt and then just do the body drops while your head remains thing and then just pew splat yeah. and can't you just see matt duchene walking out of the arena last night as like the little accordion guy like do you do like after getting like just crushed uh by a, the most mid team in the nhl right yeah. now it's like this every time remember one of the big losses that spurred this whole we need to start trading off some veteran things was last month against the arizona coyotes where the preds came out and looked as equally flat and as equally bad as they did last night it's just becoming a common theme and that's the main thing and like, this wasn't just, like, two rebuilding teams going at it or anything like right. that. The Nashville Predators just looked bad. They did. They did. And I don't want to make excuses because here's what's real. You have to execute well regardless of circumstance. But Nashville looked like a team in the middle of a 12-game road trip in which they had traveled, they said, last night through four time zones – um, that that's just how they looked. They, they were 
you know, that first period was so all Arizona and Nashville was so far behind, you know, and keep in mind, Arizona had recalled an AHL goaltender and Ivan pro, let me see if I can get this right. Prozbatov. And he came in and Nashville played such a terrible first period. Arizona played such a fast first period. Like you talked about, the shots were completely uneven. And you give a young goaltender like that confidence in the first 20 minutes. You know, and we've talked about this. Goaltending is wizardry, people. It is not science. It is wizardry. And you give a young goaltender a good 20 minutes and he's going to be like, I'm awesome for the next 40 minutes. And in Nashville, just did not play well last night. And Arizona capitalized on it, as they do. Because look, Arizona, you can say what you want to say about the organization. You can say whatever you want to say about the arena. They're not necessarily the joke their record shows they are. And Nashville will be the first to stand up and testify. Because they get us every time. Not every time, but enough times. They get us. If uh, you go to naturalstattrick.com and look at the heat map from this last game, oh, uh, the heat map for the Coyotes was directly right in front of UC Soros. That's where they got the bulk of their chances. The biggest blue spot for the Nashville Predators where they got most of their chances, like way back towards like the edge of the slot, like kind of beyond the hash marks yeah, where, where the circles are. Like, that's way far back, and that should give you the conclusion that the Predators are giving a goalie who came in with six NHL appearances and a 858 save percentage. They were making things way too easy for him. And, you know, credit to this guy because this guy made a couple of really good saves. He did. He did. Really good saves. Uh, But, you know, he, he made 39 out of you know, 40 shots on goal. He made 39 saves for a a goalie who had greatly struggled as a pro, not just in the NHL, but in the minors as well, who now all of a sudden is looking like, you know, a franchise goaltender against your team. And part of that is just, you made it way too easy on them. Yes. Yeah, Yeah. they did. And Nashville, I think, started out with just a real quick um, power play goal. And what looked good on the power play is there was a lot of power play movement. Here's where I think it became a problem is I think Nashville got caught up and, hey, look how great we looked on this power play moving the puck, even though they didn't score on that one or any of the next, what, five that they had. Um, But I think they got into their mind where it almost felt like they were playing for that basketball coach. And I don't know if you've ever had this experience where you run into a basketball coach who says you have to make eight passes before anybody can shoot. And that's what the Nashville predators almost fell into. You know, they had a power play with 26 seconds left to go in the second period. And they spent so much time passing that puck around. They had immediate puck possession in the zone. They could have put a shot on goal, but they were passing the puck around so much that they wasted 26 seconds and never got a shot on goal right in that beginning. And it felt like that was the game for Nashville. It was East West. It was, Oh, let's try something flashy. Y'all that's not who we are. Let's talk about that in a second, because uh, I de- definitely need to respond to that and dive into that kind of uh, thought, too, because I definitely agree with you. And I kind of want to make a couple of points to follow up on that. First, though, I want to mention today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. 
Again, not just the NHL that's happening now, but the NBA season is in full swing. So now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. And that's because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 back. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. All you have to do is uh, download the FanDuel Sportsbook app, which is safe, secure, super easy to use. Then you get a bet on everything from money line to point scores to three-point strain. Exclusive bets like the two-by-three, which are two three-pointers scored in the first three minutes, as well as a number of different player props, including rebounds, assists, blah, blah, blah. All that good stuff you can find at FanDuel. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss a chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Again, FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, your official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, Ann. Let's talk about the power play because you made a point uh, about the Preds maybe passing it too much and worry too much about the puck movement. And I agree with you. And this was a problem that came up, you know, kind of in the Laviolette era too, because they were feeding it. You know, there wasn't as much player movement and puck movement, but you could tell what they were trying to do. And it's kind of the same they're two different problems, but they kind of had the same end result. The Predators just don't have that pure finisher. Mm. You know, that pure guy that's going to score like 50 goals and 30 assists per year. Or, you know, the guy that does nothing but just shoot the puck. Like nothing yes. but finish. Forsberg may be the closest thing you have to that. Um, you know, you think back at the Peter Laviolette era and the Preds power play was really good when you had Shea Weber yes. and when you had P.K. Subban. Yes. Even to a lesser extent, somebody like James Neal, you know why? Because they were shooters. They had monster shots, either just slap shots from the point, but also just that killer shot, uh, you know, just a lot of pace, a lot of accuracy, could just pick corners and just get it through screen after screen after screen. And the reason it stopped working when those two guys left is because Nashville didn't really have that shooter anymore. And I look at the Nashville Predators now, and that's kind of the problem with some of these prospects. I love Cody Glass. I love Phil Tomasino. But they're setup guys. Like, they're really good passers. They're really good at puck movement. But I look at this team and I wonder, where's that one shooter? Like who's that? Where's that one guy that the moment the puck touches his stick, he's looking at the net. Like he is looking to just pick the top corner, even if it's an ill-advised shot, somebody who's going to get like eight, nine shots a game. And is just going to try to pick corner after corner after corner. Where's that guy for the Nashville Predators? Forsberg's the closest they have. And you can definitely tell the difference with him not out there, but like somebody in this team and has got to be that pure finisher or else this team is in trouble. 
Yeah, I agree with you. I was really surprised last night at how few shots Roman Yossi took, especially on the power play, because in the previous games against Arizona, Roman Yossi was, I think he had three or four power play goals against Arizona. Like he has been really deadly from that point. And when you put the puck on net, if you've got some traffic in front of the net, good things happen. Last night, they fell back into a habit that, like you said, we've seen where they're looking for this perfect shot. And I think you talked about, you know, Cody Glass. He is one of those players where I think he is so focused on playmaking and passing that sometimes he's giving up shot opportunities. And the Predators, even all healthy, looking at a completely healthy roster with, like you said, Philip Forsberg back, Ryan Johansson back. Where is that guy? The Predators don't really have that person. And we saw it last night. It was so evident last night that the Predators don't have that goal scorer. And look, I don't necessarily think the Predators have to have a Connor McDavid. I mean, everybody wants one, but they would, would, I mean, I've heard it's amazing, but you have to have somebody who says, give me the puck and I'll put it on net. You know, Matt Duchesne is somebody you think would be that Matt Duchesne had no shots last night. On, I mean, he just, he was, he was not looking to shoot. And, and it's, it seems like this team ebbs and flows, especially this season. It's like they're in this learning curve of you have to remind them, put the puck on net and good things will happen. We've heard John Hines say this after games. We've heard players say this after games, wins or losses, we have to put the puck on net, but they get caught up sometimes in creating that they don't finish. And right. this is how you end up losing four to one. Yeah. And I don't know who the Predators have in that organization right now. Maybe Joachim Kamel. Yeah. It is going to be that guy who's the pure shooter. Yeah. Maybe. Had one. You had a guy that would be perfect for this situation. I hate to keep harping on it. Don't do it. Don't I mean, it. it's it's weird. Like, it's very weird to think of Ellie Tolvanen now because it's like, Boy, how perfect would he be in this situation? But would he? Yeah, I mean, he but would was be he? getting he would be getting a chance right now instead of but, John but, Leonard. But was he? Sure. But was he? I keep coming back. The Ellie Tolbinen thing is like eight. It's like an eight parts episode series because I just have so many questions about the Ellie Tolbinen thing. You know, it, on paper, he's the guy. Absolutely. So why wasn't he? And I know everybody wants to say it's because of John Hines. And that's something we're going to dive into in a minute, too. But, you know, lot. Yeah, they don't have that guy. And you have to have somebody on the team that, you know, is going to put the puck on net. Yeah. Uh, Another key point from last night, Anne, is where the diddly was the defense in front of UC Saros, 43 shots Mm-mm. for the Arizona Coyotes. Um, you know, without Matias Ekholm, and I look at this team, and I'm just like, oh, boy. Like, I just don't see enough stay-at-home capability yes. there last night. Uh, look, I know it, it's funny because in the past two years, you got two guys – for this exact same reason. You got Jeremy Lazan with the second round pick last year 
You got Cal Foot as a uh, byproduct of this, uh, the Tanner Janot trade. Two guys that you're like, you know what? They're not going to be flashy, but you know what? They're going to be defensively responsible, stay on their own end. And I am far from saying they were the biggest problems last night. Mm-hmm. But I just look and I'm like, some of these plays, it's like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. Like, what are you doing out there? And, you know, fine on the penalty kill when your entire job is to just stand there and try to let the puck hit you. But, uh, I don't know. And it's, and it's other guys like Tyson Berry love his game. Offensively has not been great defensively. Uh, Ryan Patrick, sorry. And his game has just not been the same since he and Roman Yossi have split up. Yes. Um, you know, they desperately miss Alexander Carey. I they think do. that has been evident in the past couple of games. Uh, and you know, Dante Fabro knew what this contract has, has been fine, but not great yeah. and it's just i look at this defense and then i look at the again the prospect pool for the defense and i'm like it's the same as that pure shooter it's like okay what what's what's gonna happen here how do you fix this yeah and i agree with you you look at the prospect pool and there are some really interesting defensive prospects but they're not anywhere near ready to come into the nhl like they're just not there yet i agree with you i think a huge absence is alexander carrier because you can't really put mcdonough and yossi together and that is a pairing the predators are going to need to be successful because you have roman yossi roman yossi just doesn't play the same game when he's not with somebody like Ryan Patrick, who is that responsible stay-at-home defender. The defense did not look good last night. You know, they needed to pass the hat and buy an I'm sorry, sorrows gift because they really left him out to dry in a lot of ways. You know, you talk about Jeremy Lazan and bringing him in as kind of more of that stay-at-home defenseman, but you notice he's kind of going down in and getting in the mix offensively a little bit more. And so you're like, okay, wait a minute, what is his game going to look like? And if he's going to be doing that, who do you pair with him? Because, you know, this is a defense that's going to get beat if they overplay things. And we saw it last night. You know, there was a time where they kind of overplayed and Arizona countered and scored defensively, this team has to, they need Carrier back. And again, we know that's going to, that's going to be some time. It's not going to be a a quick return for Alexander Carrier, but there's some things that they're going to need to look at. Again, I think let's see some more from Tyson Berry from Cal foot, see where that settles in. But boy, I'll tell you what, last night was not a game that made you feel super confident about the blue line. I don't know. Last night was a game that made me feel super <laughs> confident about anything, and we're being you quite are, honest. You are not wrong, friend. <laughs> yeah, you are I not mean, wrong. It, for the Nashville Predators, it's it is what it is at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't think anybody should either be looking at a full tank job or playoffs right now. I think right. their main thing is let's just get through the end of the season, and where we end up, we end up hey, maybe we do turn things around and we make just some wild out of nowhere playoff run. Sure, that could happen. The Predators could also play this way for the rest of the season uh, and wind up with a top 10 pick. We don't know. And I think that's going to kind of be the message 
for the next, yeah, however many years this is, as we're in this transition, it's just they're going to end up where you end up. You just need to make sure the players that you have on the roster are doing the things that they need to do game to game. You need to see progression from guys. You need to see players, veteran players who have bad games, be able to rebound the very next game and not necessarily get caught up in this funk. That's what you're going to look for as you're judging the Nashville Predators over this next however long this takes for them to be back in contenders. Maybe maybe two years, maybe 12 who knows? But that's, I think, yeah. how you're going to judge the success of the Nashville Predators is making sure that the things you need to happen, both game to game, week to week, season to season, you need to see progression and you need to see veteran leaders being able to be consistent. And yes. I think that's the big thing that's going to judge the Nashville Predators. Uh, the other big what if, and uh revolves around coaching oh gosh they're they're let's make it clear uh john hines no indication he's going anywhere Mm-mm. there have been whispers from some people uh bloggers writers whatever you want to call them that said the coaching change might be a part of this new transition over the next year We also saw Barry Trotz give John Hines a sort of vote of confidence. Not that that means anything, but that hasn't stopped people and from debating John Hines's future as well as a potential replacement. Yes. Very interesting. Our good friend, Charlie Sommier, he um, covers the Predators for the Renegades of Puck, and he put out an interesting video. It is well, well worth a listen. Talking about the case for Carl Taylor, who is the Milwaukee Admirals head coach, somebody that Nick and I think the world of. So I want to be very clear. I have big feelings about this, Nick, and I didn't jump into the Twitter discourse because I'm... It's smart enough not to do that, but I'm going to go ahead and do this now. And and for people who want to debate me, you can find me at underscore NS Morgan on Twitter and yeah. send your feedback. You will be blocked there. immediately. Yeah. Here's a couple things I want to say about this. First of all, if John Hines is not the next coach next season of the National Predators, it absolutely must, should and hopefully will be Carl Taylor. So I want to be clear. I am extremely pro Carl Taylor. Carl Taylor deserves to be an NHL coach. He is ready for that. Um, He was the AHL coach of the year last season. I mean, you could go on and on about all of the reasons why I 100% agree that if John Hines is not the coach of the Nashville Predators, Carl Taylor should be that. Here is where I have a problem. I am not ready to say, and I know I'm in the minority, I am not ready to say that John Hines should not get a chance next year. And I know I'm in the minority with this, but I have big feelings about this. So here here is where I'm at, and, and then you can jump in and talk me down. John Hines came in, and here's what's real. When John Hines came in, people hated that hiring from the moment it was announced. Very fair. Yes. Hated that hiring. He was given zero chance. There is nothing John Hines could do. If John Hines dropped a golden puck 
without his sphincter on center ice, people would still hate him. They would still hate him. And here is why. It has so little to do with John Hines. And I think it has so much to do with this fan base and certain people in this fan base who will not admit they might be wrong. Here's my here's my argument about John Hines. They hated him from day one. Doesn't matter what he does. People are not going to like this. People then say, well, his system sucks. The problem, we got to get rid of John Hines because his system sucks. John Hines came in and did the exact same system and did the same play that Peter Laviolette did. He inherited a system. Tell me, like, what is... David Poyle drafts for hard for checking for, you know, tough to play against all of this identity talk that we, that we've heard. So this isn't just like John Hines coming in. This is something that's been in place here. Now, if you think about it, the Nashville Predators, you don't hear so much about that. You see the Predators are kind of focusing more on let's create and capitalize on rush chances. Let's take advantage of some speed. So I feel like you're seeing a transition in the play from John Hines. He will not get any credit for that because he is the problem. If it is the system, people are pro Carl Taylor because he knows the predator system and it's going to be a flawless transition. You cannot hate the system that John Hines plays, but advocate for Carl Taylor because he's so familiar with it. Do you know what I'm saying? If the system is the problem, it doesn't matter who your coach is. So again, I come back to y'all just don't like John Hines. Y'all I just agree. don't like John Hines. And finally, here is my biggest beef. And this is a hill I will die on. And I will die fruitlessly, I know. But the NHL should be about developing coaches and general managers. And I am exhausted by people who demand a young coach come in and You don't want to develop a coach. You want a winning coach. And I get that, except it's not realistic. You know, John Hines did, you know, he had five years in New Jersey. It was a rough five years. Like, that was not great. His win-loss percentage, not great. You know, Nashville Predators, been a rough haul with the Nashville Predators too. But he inherited a system that is supposedly his fault, Um, coached through COVID. He was coaching a core where the expectation was, this is a team that could make a deep playoff run. And this core we've seen, that's not who they were, but it's John Hines's fault that it's not who they were. I think this is the chance to give John Hines another season. You have Barry Trotz as a general manager. He knows what it is to be in that locker room. He knows what it takes to be a winning coach. There is no reason for John Hines not to get a year with Barry Trotz as the general manager. If after a year, it's not a great fit, I'm 100% team Carl Taylor. I will be excited. But I am exhausted by the John Hines hate because you just don't like him because you decided not to like him. And there is nothing John Hines could do that would turn most people in this fan base around because this fan base, there's a large percentage, they just want to be right. That's yeah. all they and want. They want to be right. And they want and an I enemy. Think, and, and I think that's the, the key word is there's a lot of people that want to be right. Yeah. And it's it's just, I think, a society thing now. Yeah. 
Uh, that's a whole different social commentary that we can dive into on another day. My thing with John Hines is John Hines is no different from Barry Trotz or Peter Laviolette or, for that matter, any coach the Nashville Predators will ever have or, for that matter, any coach that has ever coached in the NHL. There are things that you should give him credit for and there are things that he deserves some blame for. Uh, you know, John Hines' system, say what you want, it worked for a lot of last year until it didn't. True. You know, and do do I think the concept of line identity is great? No, not really. Uh, you know, the, the, the biggest thing was when you heard David Poyle talk about, I'm sorry to keep coming back to this and the Ellie Tolvanen thing. And, you know, yeah. he, they, they kind of asked him, it's like, well, you know, what have you seen that really works out for him in Seattle? And David Poyle said, well, you know, they kind of play differently. They play like kind of roll out all four lines equally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, why didn't we try that? Like, yeah. why did we have to try to pigeonhole players into certain spots? And I think maybe that's my thing with John Hines is, you know, you came to this year with Ellie Tolvin, you know, Cody Glass and, um, you know, to a lesser extent, Phil Tomasino, who went down to the minors but had a lot of playing time last year. And you have all these extra skill guys and you're looking at it as like, oh, but we only have, you know, one skill spot which is somebody to play with Johansson and Niederreiter. And at that point, it's like, well, if he's not going to play on the second line, then there's not really a place for him where he needs to go because we have the herd line is three and we want our fourth line to play this way. And I think maybe that is my one qualm with John Mm -hmm. Hines is, okay, why don't you change up the way you're coaching to accommodate the better players? instead of trying to pigeonhole certain players into your system. That is my biggest beef with John Hines. So mm-hmm. I, I agree with the sense that I do think he mismanaged some of the youth and I do think he left stuff on the table. You know, I, I would have just liked to see him be a little less rigid and be like, no, the third line has to be a certain way and they have to play in these situations. I will say, I think he's done better throughout the season mm-hmm. because you're starting to see guys you know, like Yuso Parson, for instance, like Tommy Novak, get more responsibility, get more power play time, you know, get more chances in areas where they're best at and also less ice time in places that might be a shortcoming to them. Like, you know, Tommy yes. Novak's playing like 14, 15 minutes a night, but getting all of the power play time. Uh, and that's because John Hines looks at him and it's like, yeah, I don't really want to put you out there for a defensive uh, zone face off right now, which that is good. I like that. And that gives me, you know, pause to say, OK, well, if that's going to be the thing, then mm-hmm. maybe he does get a chance as long as he sticks with that. and doesn't go back to, well, I want a third line that plays like this and a fourth line that plays like this. I think you have to take whoever your best players are, whoever the players that give you a best chance of win. And you have to figure out, okay, how do I make these players work? How do I make this work? And not necessarily who are the best players that fit in the system? Because if you do that, you're going to have a situation like you did 
you know, a few years ago where David Poyle is just bringing in guy after guy after guy after guy, and they wind up on the fourth line or third line or not in a conducive spark because there's no communication with the head coach on, okay, how do these players fit? You know, so I, I think you got to take the best players you have and figure out how to use them in an effective way. That's what I'll say for John Hines. Mm-hmm. The, the one thing that I think at the end of the day, if you're going to judge John Hines is judge him on what head, like, what do you need from this team? And that I think is how you judge what you do with the head coaching position in the off season. What do you need from this team? Are you in a position where you need to make sure your young players develop? Mm-hmm. Is that where you're at? Because if so, admittedly, John Hines might not be the best coach for that because he, I... but, but because he doesn't have the best track record of developing players, even back to the New Jersey Devils. That's maybe where Carl Taylor comes in. But if your goal is to take this team, you know, if, if Barry Trotz brings some guys in in the offseason and your peak is, okay, we need a mix of development, but we also need to try to win, maybe you do see what John Hines can do with this team. Mm-hmm. I just, I think you need to sit down and figure out what do you need from the head coach next year? What does this team need? And then you make a decision. And again, maybe it is John Hines. Maybe John Hines comes back. Maybe you do go Carl Taylor because you need to put more of a focus on developing the youth. I, I don't know, but that's for the, that's what's going to be the decision for the Nashville Predators. Not because Carl Taylor is the next man up. I hate the concept of just giving a guy a job because he just happens to be the next man up or he's quote unquote ready. I have some qualms with, I have some qualms with the Perry Trotz hiring for that exact same reason. Really? Um, But I think you need to judge the future of the head coaching position based on what your team needs and then find a guy whether he's in your organization, whether he's somebody else in the NHL and figure out what is the best fit based on need. The only thing I agree with you, that's what you need to do. I do think that John Hines deserves an opportunity to be that guy because he deserves to be invested in and developed. You, I am, you, this fan base is so frustrated that they feel like certain players weren't developed according to the path they think it takes to get there. You know, the Phil Tomasino thing. Oh, he was in the AHL. You know, I think John Hines deserves a chance to be developed just like these players do. And I think that will happen best under a, a, with a year of Barry Trotz. And I think whether you want somebody who is going to develop young players or somebody who is going to take the veterans and pull out of them what you need, John Hines deserves the opportunity. I think he has earned the opportunity to grow in that skill set for a season. But I agree with you. Carl Taylor is not just going to be handed to him. He like if John Hines is not the next head coach of the Nashville Predators, Carl Taylor should be. Yeah. But I'm not ready to give up on Hines. 
Yeah. So that, there's a, a big thing to leave you at. And we did run long. Uh, Sorry. So that, I mean, we had some big feels about that. That's for <laughs> sure. Uh, so I hope you stuck with us. Uh, and where can people find your work? You can find my work online at insidethepreds.com. You can find me on Twitter at Ann K underscore Mama on Ice. You can find me at ontheforecheck.com. Be sure to follow us at LO underscore Predators. That's going to do it for us on today's Locked on Predators podcast. Thanks for making us your first listen of the day. We'll see you next week with new episodes.